Breaking news all throughout the NFL over the weekend. Players on the move. Basketball season heating up. And I tell you what, I like this week. I like championship week more than about 99% of the weeks in a calendar year. It's a sports pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Charlie Bramer. What's up, Charlie? Oh, man, Tanner. I am happy to be here. Every week I say it. This is a great time of the year for sports, and I always go back to when I started the show, and it was just a lull, and it was like all we had was baseball, which for me, that's fine, but now there's so much going on, I mean, it's like we almost need two hours to get to half of it. We have got football, basketball, both pro and college, we've got baseball news, even some hockey to throw in there, so we're going to cover a lot here in the next hour. Is it wrong of me to say that some years, I don't know about this year, but there have been certainly some years, probably when Notre Dame is you know, good at basketball, that I like championship week more than I like March Madness. Is that wrong of me to say? No, and uh, honestly, man, I love the Big Ten tournament, mm-hmm. and I, I, I love the, you know, the, uh, I just love the, all the conference championships and then and then the teams that win their conference championships getting getting into the tournament a lot of times there's always a surprise team or two that get in and it that's just the really good feel good stories are are i think a lot of times come from uh championship weekend like like you just alluded to but there there is every once in a while you know like last year there is you know a Cinderella team getting to the final four and elite eight but you can count on there being uh, some surprises championship weekend for sure. I'm excited for it to see what's coming up. It starts this week, and then, of course, March Madness to follow. Before we get too far into that, we're going to save that for a few segments later on, but I want to update the greatest movie of all time, polls and brackets, because right now we are on the first-round matchups for baseball movies. We did four matchups on Friday, broke for the weekend, and we'll take a look at the results. Let me pull them up here. We had Field of Dreams getting 100% of the vote. Nobody voted for Mr. Baseball, so Field of Dreams is moving on. Bull Durham, movie again, I really don't like. 80% to 20%, they win over 61. Uh, Moneyball, 71% to 29%, moving on over Fever Pitch. And Rookie of the Year, 67% to 33, gets it over Mr. 3000. So those are the movies that are moving on. Here are the matchups you're voting for today. Again, you can do that on Twitter at ESPNUP. Follow us, what have you. You have Angels in the Outfield against The Natural. That's a pretty good matchup. Yeah. Major League in 42. That's another good one. Oh, Major League's got to take it, don't you think? That's a tough one. The Sandlot. And Bad News Bears. Oh, man. Now that's, that's a great good one. That I would be torn on. So I couldn't even vote. one here. Million Dollar Arm against Benchwarmers. There's some good matchups in this baseball bracket. Jeez, it, when you, when, yeah, when you get into this, it like really reminds you how many great baseball movies there are. And we had to do play-in games yeah. for baseball. There's some great ones out there. And which do you prefer, the old Bad News Bears or the new one? Which one had... Walter Matthew, is that how you say his name? Oh, Walter Matt, is it Matthew? Matthew or Matthew? Matthew? I don't know, but I I should oh. know because I like him a lot. Isn't that the old one? I don't know. Um, 
the guy from Bad Santa, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, was in the new yeah, one. Right? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. If, if that's the new one, then I prefer the old one. The new one's not terrible, but I'm more of a fan of the old. The, the old one, one was really. I mean, that was old school movie, and <laughs> some of the stuff they had the kids saying was like there was that blonde kid with the long hair and the potty mouth. That yep. was. He was a trip for sure. <laughs> I tell you what. You know who else is a trip? Antonio Brown. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Mustache. He is mustache. off to Oakland. Yep. And is he going to dye the mustache silver now? I have no idea, That's man. That's going to be the big thing. I thought that was his natural mustache <laughs> color. What What are you talking about? Dying the... No, I'm, you I'm just playing. You thought he had Hulk Hogan mustache for real? Yeah, right. Uh, but no, man, I don't know. What a steal of a deal, huh? Mm, they, to move Amari Cooper and then get Antonio Brown for a third and a five. I mean, is Just, that really the best offer that was on the table? And and what's the deal? Can you explain to me? Because I've been waiting for someone to explain to me. They mention, I keep hearing how Pittsburgh has something set up with the Bills. Um, why, why, how can Antonio Brown have enough pull when he has no leverage whatsoever to say, no, I'm not going to Buffalo? What What would he... Did he basically tell Buffalo, oh, I'll just hold out, I right. won't play for you? He basically so then, said he'll go into retirement and he won't take the field, so it would be a waste for Buffalo to try and get him, and he backed okay. out of it. Well, I guess that, then, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been hearing, oh, he has no leverage, he has no leverage. Well, if you're not going to play, that's some leverage. Right. Wow. And that's kind of where it came from, why that deal was nixed and why he finds his way to Oakland at least for now. Yep. AB in Vegas, what could go wrong here in a couple of years? Yeah, and Derek Carr just has to be, I, I mean, I think this is really going to, we're going to see the Derek Carr of old and then some. You talk about a guy that just has to be motivated. Now he's getting the best wide receiver in the league. And, and for a 31-year-old wide receiver, um, you know, to get moved and, and have that type of leverage just by saying he's not going to play, you know, it like strikes fear into everyone in the NFL. He's such a star. Um, the Derek Carr just, I mean, he's the real winner. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Raiders as a whole and Mike Mayock, John Gruden, uh, they've done some really cool stuff as far as accumulating draft capital and potential young talent. And, and it's like we were talking about before the show, there, there are a lot of guys available that a few years ago, uh, I mean, they would have been getting big time contracts and there's no way they would have been getting released, but it's just becoming, we've always said it's a young man's league and it's just becoming more and more and more of a young man's league. And with the draft picks, the Raiders have been able to stockpile and then to get Antonio Brown for only a third and a fifth. I mean, they're really making some good moves. You brought up a few interesting points there. I want to talk about a little more touch on Antonio Brown might be the saving grace that Derek Carr's NFL career needed. He's a guy that outside of one possibly MVP caliber season a couple of years ago, he hasn't quite lived up to expectations that were put on. And I like Derek Carr because I think he's an above average quarterback that gets a bad rep and probably one that he doesn't deserve, but he hasn't lived up to that one MVP caliber season and now he's got this new toy to play with a new weapon in his arsenal and then the Raiders came out this morning and said they are willing to spend to try to bring Le'Veon Bell into Oakland too if they get Le'Veon and Antonio Brown 
How do you think Raider fans are going to feel about Gruden after that? I mean, you know, they wow. get rid of Mack and Cooper last year, and there were a lot of Raider fans not happy with Gruden, but if they flip that and bring in Bell and A.B., hey, you think the public perception yeah. of John Gruden will change? I think it would have to. I mean, just the talent level alone, you couldn't imagine that team not winning at least eight games next year. And, and with the draft picks they have, for some reason I've been hearing – this and this draft is not a great one for offensive line. I mean, I've heard different takes on that. From what I see, there this is a solid draft for offensive line, and maybe not in the first round, because that that would be the only thing is well, if you got you have Antonio Brown, you have Le'Veon Bell, Derek Carr was getting the snot kicked out of him last year, and then you know the whole thing about whether he was crying or not, and and I want to touch on that about if we're talking about Derek Carr. When did it become, obviously it's always been kind of a negative stigma with, oh, you know, guys crying, especially a quarterback in the NFL to see. But if, you know, what, if he's crying, I mean, maybe he's just passionate. I mean, what what's wrong with someone being so passionate they become emotional? Doesn't, I mean, to me, that's wearing your shirt on or your emotions on your sleeve or whatever the term is. And I think that's a positive. I mean, he's out there giving it all. If he's pushing himself to that point, I respect him even more. And they're bringing in these pieces. That'll take pressure off of him. The offensive line can get younger. I mean, obviously we know John Gruden can coach. So, And, and he's the type of coach that likes to get young players and mold them uh, to fit what he's trying to do. And obviously he'll bring guys in that fit what he's trying to do. And he six months ago... We were starting to think if John Gruden had gone a little cuckoo and for Cocoa Puffs, and I, I don't, I think he's showing us he's still John Gruden, and there is a plan to the madness. Well, I tell you what, the Washington Redskins secondary just got a whole lot better. They pick up Landon Collins' six-year deal, $84 million, $45 million guaranteed. Stays in the NFC East. I really thought he was going to go to Kansas City. I thought it was set up well that they release Justin Houston, free up cap space so they can bring in Collins and help their secondary the weakest part of their team this year. Plus, they can pair him up with his old defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, who's now the defensive coordinator for Kansas City. I I don't know why New York isn't making, trying to make more of a push. Maybe he's, obviously, That's I don't the know. That's million-dollar question. Right. Why because, are they just letting him walk? Yeah, because he is such a good player. He had a bit of a down year last year. He doesn't necessarily, he had five picks, what, his rookie year, and he he's he hasn't really been getting the force and the turnovers you want, but he, he's a big hitter, great in coverage, and I think he's been getting less picks just because they don't throw the ball his way mm-hmm. as much. I mean, it's just that simple. Well, I tell you what, Danny Amendola picked up by the Lions today. He's another guy reuniting with a former coach as Matt Patricia gets a new weapon for Matt Stafford. Is that a good signing? I I I mean it, it really fits with what the Lions do, so I think that's a great I think I think that's a good pickup for the Lions. Deshaun Jackson could be on the market. The Bucks are looking at shopping him. Malik Jackson expected to sign with Philadelphia. Dante Fowler re-signs with the Rams. Anderson Dejo's a hard-hitting safety. The Vikings are planning to release him. Maybe Sadejo, Kyle Rudolph, and the Vikes are just doing anything to try and clear up cap space right now. Does oh, Doesn't that just sound absolutely insane to you? Mm-hmm. The Vikings getting rid of Kyle Rudolph. It seems like he's already been there a decade. Yeah. He's still in his prime 
he's such a good blocking tight end. He's obviously not going to blow anybody away athletically. Like he's not the second coming of Jeremy Shockey, but he is a fantastic tight end. He never whiffs. He always runs a great route, never drops the ball. I really don't think they can afford to lose him, and I've been saying it for a while. The Vikings really leverage their future by signing Cousins, and they had a lot of guys on rookie deals that they need to re-sign. Last, the last two years were really their years, last year especially, and it's going to be tough to keep that team together. Yeah, you wonder about the Vikings and their cap space problems. Well, just look at the quarterback that they've signed. Nope. That'll tell you why they're one of the lowest teams in terms of cap space in the NFL. We owe you our first time out. When we come back, David Irvin announced that he's stepping away from football last week. I'll tell you how that may or may not impact the NFL going forward and its policy regarding recreational marijuana. Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Back with you in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. The big story from last Thursday was that David Irving of the Dallas Cowboys announced via Instagram he was stepping away from football because of the NFL's no-tolerance policy regarding marijuana, whether that be recreational or medical. Marijuana is still not legalized at the federal level, and until it is, the NFL is likely not going to change their stance on it either. And Irving decides that he's going to put his own career on postponement until the NFL will change its stance regarding marijuana, again, whether that be recreational or medical. Now, you might agree with him, you might not, but here's the thing. There's such thing as right message, wrong messenger, and I'm not saying that his message is right, that's in the eyes of the holder, but this is 100% the wrong messenger. David Irving, not a lot of people knew him, probably even knew who he was before this on Thursday when he announced that he was stepping away. David Irving has played in 37 games over the last four years, 37 of a possible total of 64. So David Irving has been out for about half his career, not because of injuries, because of suspensions, drug-related suspensions. So he's 100% the wrong messenger, and he might have a good message. I don't know if it's right or not that's in the eyes of the beholder, but it's an important message, and it's something we should be talking about and having discussions about. He's just not the guy to do it. I mean, if there was anybody who was going to start the trend and maybe change the NFL's mind, it was Josh Gordon back in December. It's not David Irving. No, and, and I mean, I will give the guy credit. Um, he was raised, a, you know, a so-called military brat. You know, he had a solid upbringing, all indications. He was very well spoken in the interviews that I've heard. Um, and, and he's sticking to his guns. He's a young enough guy that it is possible that in his potential playing career, you know, and being a young guy, if he takes the next five, six years off, he could still come back and be productive in his 30s. Um, he's very talented. There is a chance, like I said, that this could be changed in his playing career lifetime or however you want to put it. But Not because of him. Not because of him. And that's I think that's what you were really right. getting at is wrong, right message, wrong messenger mm -hmm. type of or 
potentially the right message, or he's he's on to something at least. He's really on to something. The thing is, the NFL is not going to change because he's walking away. Really, he's just hurting his own career by doing this. If Tom Brady were to walk away protesting marijuana, then the NFL would probably feel right. a lot differently about yeah. it. If Aaron Rodgers did, right. the NFL might seriously have these conversations and do anything they could to get him back on the field. David Irving just doesn't have that kind of clout. Here's the thing. I mean, I'm not pro-marijuana, but I'm not anti-marijuana either. I think there's a lot of benefits to it medically that people uh, can use as an alternative to medications. Uh, A member of my family who's going to remain nameless has a medical license for it uh, to cure a, or at least treat, a recurring form of cancer. I know that there's a lot of people who benefit from this, and I do believe 100% that the NFL would be okay with marijuana if it got guys back on the field. But that doesn't do that like painkillers do, and that's why the NFL takes the stance that it does. And I I always talk on here about, oh, I played semi-pro football and, and this, that, and the other thing, and I really am not trying to compare my semi-pro football to career to that of David Irving's experiences or anything. Um, but when I was 20 years old, I was diagnosed with, uh, it's called schwannoma tumors. At the time, they couldn't biopsy the tumors because it was growing off between my lung and my aortic arch in a really bad spot. So they all they could do is just go in there th- uh, thoracically, take it out. Um, and luckily when I woke up, they told me, oh, it's benign. And but I was on some nasty medications. Um, it was a long healing process, and my doctor suggested I get a medical marijuana card, so I did. And the one thing I really noticed was it, it helped me with my appetite. And I've always been a really skinny guy, don't eat a lot. I've always struggled with appetite, especially in the morning with breakfast. It, it it's just hard for me to get get eating and get going um but when i was healing i it it did help with with the appetite and which obviously gives you energy to do your physical therapy and do these different things but it can be taken really too far and and that that's the shame in it is there are people that really really need it and then there are people that it i mean i really don't want to say it because i'm going to get People I know are are gonna gonna be getting some texts, but they it, it's abused, you know the right, whole thing. Right. Um. They they for a long time there are people going to chiropractors, this that on oh, my back hurts, and they're just getting a medical marijuana card. And is is that is that really a bad thing? Because is it really hurting anybody? I would say probably not. But that's not what it was really intended for. It wasn't really intended for just nicks and everyday pains. It was intended for you know, like, oh, this person's on opiates, which I've also been on and off for a long, many years. And can, can, can marijuana replace some of the opiates they're taking and some of this highly addictive damaging, you know, to your liver and kidneys type of stuff. And, and it it can really help with glaucoma. And there are things that it can really help with, but David Irving at age 25, to walk away over something like that, I mean, I've, I've, I really, 
you know, I let my medical marijuana card expire, and now it's legal recreationally. So if, if somebody wants to get it, they can get it. It's easier. Um, but I, I really, throughout my football playing career, for at least two of the seasons, I had ribs that were broken and detached from my sternum. And I would go to doctors saying, I have all this pain. And and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, and I had had multiple surgeries on my chest and I had what's called pectus excavatum. And they were they were saying, oh, your chest is it's it's not what it should be, but it's holding together and it's strong. So you, you can keep playing. And, and I don't know how they missed my having detached ribs and ribs that were uh, pushing on my lung. My right lung only expands about 50 percent of what it should. And and my lungs are elongated. And I'm having all these issues now um, with not being able to get enough oxygen and all these problems. And when I was playing, I was using marijuana a lot more. And at the time, I thought it really didn't help as much as I wanted it to because I was in, still in so much pain all the time. And oftentimes, I could play a first half and, and just couldn't make it through the second. And so I thought, oh, my medical marijuana is not helping. But... Maybe it helped more than I thought it was because to be able to afterwards when I found out I was playing with broken ribs for two seasons and it wasn't just broken ribs. It was ribs detached from my sternum and they were causing all kinds of problems in there. And I've kind of already got into that more than I probably should, more than what's necessary. So so maybe it maybe it did help more than I thought. I, I had many, many concussions and that was one of the things that also ended my career and I probably should have stopped playing long before I did because of reoccurring concussions. Um, you know, guys say it can help with that. I, I don't, I, I really don't know. I, I, I think maybe it helped not as much as I wanted it to. I was looking for like a hundred percent instant fix and, and it's definitely not that, but everything affects everybody differently. And, and I'm 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 sitting here and and when I if I were to just be talking with you and I didn't have a microphone in front of me, I would get into a lot more and a lot deeper explanation. And I feel like I'm kind of dancing around some things that I want to say and I'm kind of rambling a little bit because I'm trying to watch what I'm saying. Um, I thought it would be easier to go on the radio and talk about this um, because I'm really an open person, but it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And, and I kind of apologize for that. I thought I'd be able to get on here and just be an open book. But it is a lot harder than I thought it would be. And and I don't want to, if it really helps other people, I don't want to bash it with my, you know, just w my personal experience. Because there are so many other people out there that have experiences contrary to mine. And, and they say it is the miracle to what ails them. Um it definitely, with some of the other meds that I've been on, um, I can take. I was able to take less of the hard pain, you know, what they consider the hardcore or whatever pain meds. Um, because marijuana is supposed to enhance the effects of opiates and other pain meds. But at the same time, you're not supposed to really be mixing those and doing things like driving and all this. So, So it is. There's a big... There's, there's so much gray area there and how it affects one person and how it affects another. So I really, I really don't think it's one of those things you can, you can just have a rule that fits all. It, it needs to be in, in, in with everything. And I'm kind of getting into a libertarian rant here, but it's one of those things that why can't 
it just we do what works for the individual let the individual and their doctor decide and that's the thing with the nfl they're they're really such just overstepping in so many things and and this is one of them i think well i tell you what i'm this is why i wanted to have this discussion i know that the news broke thursday night but i wanted to have this conversation with you because of how it's touched you in the past and your personal experience with it i'm not advocating for uh expanded marijuana use i'm you know if there's listeners out there maybe they've turned us off because they don't want their child thinking you know weed is dope or something like that but i'm not advocating for it recreationally i'm advocating for it medically if that can help people and i'm not i don't want anyone to get uh, the idea that I think all medication is damaging to people because that's not the truth. Oh, yeah, A lot of medication, though, can be damaging to somebody. And marijuana's, you know, it's one of those things that I don't know what damage or what it causes, what have you, but there's a lot of uh, prescription drugs that are a lot harder on your body than marijuana is and really the point that i want the listeners to be able to take away is that the nfl isn't having these conversations about letting players treat injuries with marijuana instead they're willing to dope them up on painkillers that they can become addicted to and use and abuse that the the nfl's doing that because of a performance uh standard that they're trying to get to because weed doesn't get guys back on the field and doesn't make them productive painkillers do and that's why the nfl isn't having these conversations but they need to be i'm not saying they even need to uh they even need to make it legal for their players what have you but they need to be having these conversations and that's yeah that is hitting the nail on the head right there it's why is all this other stuff allowed and why can guys go and get all kinds of drugs pumped in their system at halftime via IV or or be taking pills before the game and doing all this other stuff. But if why then why isn't marijuana an option? And and why won't they at least discuss it? it it's a really strange thing and, and there's a stigma going way, way back and a lot of these old owners are older guys and and they're just not willing to hear it. Uh I, I really get that feeling. That's kind of painting a a little bit of a broad picture of the owners in general, but that's just kind of a, a, a the feeling I get from it. And and it's yeah, why won't they at least have the conversation? And 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 it it it, it really it's just such a broad topic in in how it affects everybody differently. You know, anything I say, it's I I feel like it it'll apply to one person, but then it won't apply to another person. And and I don't wanna I don't wanna make anybody feel like like I'm you know hating on what works for them so to speak and there is there is a big topic with marijuana in general of how you know in the 70s that stuff was 3 to 5% THC and and it has it still had all the other wonderful uh, cannabinoids in it uh that that affect other things like appetite and and all these other things and those those cannabinoids can be isolated and you put in CBD oils that that don't even get people high and so to the high so to speak and and that can be really effective uh for inflammation and all kinds of other things and that's legal even in states like Wisconsin where it's not legal recreationally that's a wonderful thing and 
But now, you know, 40 years ago, it was 3 to 5% THC. Now there's so many strains that are over 30% THC. And, you know, is that really necessary for medical use? Because um, THC isn't really the 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 cannabinoid that that really helps with with all these other things like inflammation all thc is what really gives you the so-called euphoric so i i i'm i kind of always wished why can't we go back to these lower thc strains for more medical use and and they are available and there are strains that don't even have uh thc and it's just weird that the nfl isn't making some kind of a concession because so many of their players could really use this and it would keep them from using, like you said, damaging meds that can be really habit-forming. And and then when guys get out of the NFL, they're suffering with stuff like depression and, and they're at a high risk for becoming addicted and 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 they're already on these meds and I have seen people that have been addicted to marijuana. I know they say marijuana is not addicted. I have seen people that are addicted to it. And and it just seems like the two sides are so far apart. Like there's people that say, oh, it's just terrible. You can't use it. And then there's other people that are on the other side saying, it's not addictive. It's It's just this wonderful thing. And I think it's like with everything else, it's somewhere right in the middle. Charlie Bramer with us in the sports pen. Hit the halfway point of the show when we come back. Opening day, a week and a half away, and see what free agents could be on the move. Who's going to make a big splash before we throw the first pitch? Next in the sports pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Here is your Sports Center update. Congratulations to the Northern Michigan women's basketball team. They are heading to the D2 National Tournament after receiving an at-large bid. The Cats are 22-9. and They'll be the five seed in the Midwest region, and they will get a rematch against Ashland, who beat them in the conference championship game yesterday. That game will be Friday afternoon in Springfield, Missouri. For the fourth time in the last five years, the Wisconsin Badgers women's hockey team wins the WCHA tournament. The Badgers are the top overall seed in the upcoming women's national tournament. They will take on Syracuse in the first round. And finally, congratulations to Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez. They announced their engagement this weekend. A-Rod and J-Lo finally tying the knot. Over, under? What's your over, under on that marriage? Oh, my gosh. The year's last thing. We're not doing this. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm not I'm not doing this. Five years over under. <laughs> uh I I think they can go five years. You think they can make it? I, I think they could last. I, I like the fact that haven't they both been married before? They're they're older now, they've already been together for quite a while. That give love a chance, right? And going back to the last segment, geez, <laughs> I always I'm always screwing up words. Not that long ago I heard a senator on C SPAN or a congressman or somebody and he was pronouncing, he was like going cannabinoids, and he was using all these weird words. So I hope the word cannabinoid, I hope I, I hope that's the right term. I think it is. I mean, I've I've been using these terms and then hearing other people use different terms, and I'm like, oh, what's what's the right one? <laughs> 
I tell you what, going back to the last segment, you might have heard some banging, some noise in the background, some pounding on the walls, what have you. We are rewiring the studio just to our left, and you can probably hear it as it comes through the radio. Yeah, we're making progress, so the wires inside the wall are being redone or what have you, and if you hear it in the background, we apologize. Uh, Charlie and I aren't fighting or hitting each other off the air but you may hear progress come through yeah um yeah because tanner's not beating me up i mean i don't beat up my friends of the show it's good to know that it's it's just it's progress Uh, i tell you what we have got baseball to break down week and a half till opening day and there's still snow on the ground wow in more than half the country right so opening day is going to be here before we know it a lot of free agents, some big-name free agents still out there. Obviously, Arizona snapped up Adam Jones yesterday. That's a big get for them after they lost A.J. Pollock. But a few of the others, there are some big names out there, including Bartolo Colon. I don't know what he has to offer somebody, but maybe he's still got something in the tank. Here's the stat of the day. If Bartolo isn't signed by opening day, it will be the first time since 1912 that an active baseball player did not play a game at Tiger Stadium. So had had not played a game at Had not played wow. at Tiger Stadium. Bartolo wow. would be the last one, and if no one signs him, that streak is over. Well, I'm not expecting him to come to Milwaukee. Their pitching mm-hmm. staff is pretty... Uh, if they're not going to sign Dallas Keuchel, then I think they're pretty set. Uh, you mentioned Dallas Keuchel, big name that's still out there. Gio Gonzalez, Edwin Jackson, James Shields, all some pretty good starting pitchers yeah. still out there. And and Gio Gonzalez is a guy, he had a really tough year. The change of scenery to Milwaukee, he gave him about 30 innings of of two ERA baseball. I mean, I, I think he's really got something to offer as a reliever. I wonder if that might be an option for him. Right now, the top reliever that's out on the market is Craig Kimbrell. He's still got a lot to offer somebody. Certainly, Ryan Madsen is out there. Tony Sipp, Chris Hatcher, A.J. Ramos, Matt Belisle, and Santiago Casilla. Oh, Jim Johnson's out there, too. Did I say him? J.J., another J.J. So there's some pretty big names out there that are still yet to be signed as we get set for opening day. I wonder if Felix Hernandez has much of a future in Seattle after a little bit of turmoil. It was announced yesterday by manager Scott Service that for the first time since 2008, King Felix will not start on opening day for the Mariners. Instead, he's going with Marco Gonzalez. And Felix wasn't happy with the situation, but he said he expected it. It's kind of weird for someone. Of That's so yellow. weird. That is so weird. I mean, James Paxton being gone, King Felix is, I mean, he's still Seattle's best arm as far as potential and mm-hmm. talent. And he talking about having stuff in the tank. He still has it. And it, that's just strange that he's not starting on opening day. By the way, their first game that Gonzalez is going to start over King Felix in Japan. Oh, be kind of fun. Yeah. yeah and... And and there's a lot, you know, the Brewers are playing exhibition games in Montreal. There's there's teams playing, and, and I guess this has been a thing going on for a while, um, already playing games in Mexico. Um, have you, did you watch much, any baseball over the weekend? Not over the weekend, no. I I mean, there's so much other stuff going on. I, I don't blame you for not watching baseball. Of course, I had to, I was watching my Brewers, and uh, they're finally getting hot. What, they started off 1-4, and 1-5, and... Four, one and, five, and 
Now I think they're eight and seven. They're over five hundred in the Cactus League. So. You take too much stock in Way preseason too baseball. Way too much. Spring training, the Cactus League. Way too much. And they were down five to nothing to the Cubs yesterday. Came back, won at seven to five. So I mean, even if it's spring training, I can't help myself. That's that's just they beat the Cubs, so I I can't help myself. The real thing is going to be here before we know it. Before we go to another break, let's take a look at college football because it's never too early to speculate about that's that right. either. Bet Online came out with their projected win totals for a lot of college football teams over the weekend. Interestingly enough, they have nobody going twelve and zero in the regular season this college football regular season. Wow. I don't know if I disagree with that, but it's just kind of kind of interesting. The two highest win totals in the regular season, no surprise, Alabama and Clemson. They're both expected to go 11 and 1 with Georgia and Oklahoma just to step underneath them. Teams with 10 wins are projecting Ohio State and UCF, and then teams just below them kind of at that 9 and a half mark between nine wins, ten wins, they have Texas, Notre Dame, and Oregon. They're talking wow. about a resurgence for Oregon. That's it. I, w- I would. They're expecting a lot of teams beating up on each other yeah. this upcoming year. Yeah, a lot got, of parity. Well, there's going to be some good parity this year. Uh, I don't know that I agree with this one. Texas A&M. They have just at seven and a half projected wins. Yeah, I don't. I I'm not agreeing with a lot of these. I don't think. I think Texas A&M is going to be the dark horse that comes out of nowhere this year. And, well, and not necessarily nowhere. They've been good, but they haven't been, you know, uh, contender, national title contender good. I really think they're going to be the dark horse this year. Yeah, and and college football, it's just like everything else, man. The parity is it's really showing itself. Well, I tell you what, it's going to be here before you know it, too. I'm excited for that to come around. Uh, big news for your Badgers this weekend. Alex Hornibrook has announced he is transferring to Florida State. We were talking about the situation with DeAndre Francois a few weeks ago, and his heir apparent is apparently Alex Hornibrook. Yep, and oh, I'm just telling for all you Florida State fans out there, he's going to look great. The ball just jumps out of his hand. I And, you know, after his freshman and sophomore seasons, I thought his junior season, his, his senior season, he'll stop turning the ball over. He'll he'll get it together because obviously Wisconsin was a run first team and and I don't think he really quite fit in with that as far as his philosophy. He's obviously looking to go to a place where he can air it out a little bit more, um, but he just turns the ball over too much and and I think that's really why uh, the Badgers didn't utilize him as much um, when you have three really good running backs and your quarterback is turning the ball over, I mean, it just makes sense to run the ball, especially behind that offensive line. And he just really, uh, he, 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 he stares guys down. I don't think he really goes through his progressions. I think he gets rattled. And the talent is there. The talent, it, there is no doubt the talent is there. And there was, after his sophomore season, I was thinking he had potential for the NFL because of his arm but and his arm and his size athletic ability but uh they're gonna have to really uh make some changes and he's gonna have to really be reborn at florida state for for that to happen for all his faults fundamentally he was a winner 
He had a record of 26-6 and six as a starter, and Florida State sure needs that right now. No. But not everyone can be Scott Tolzien. Nope, that's right. <laughs> not everybody can be Scott Tolzien, and I guess the Badgers are just really looking for a game manager. Yeah. Well, they have a lot of reasons to be excited about when they get to spring ball because they just landed one of the top uh, blue-chip recruits in the country at quarterback in Graham Mertz. It's going to be really fun to see him battle Jack Cohn for the starting job. Yep, and and I'm, I've got to assume just with how Wisconsin does things, Cohn's going to get the nod. Think so? I, I think so. I really wasn't overly impressed with what I saw from him last year, but going into the season knowing he's a starter, hopefully, or, you know, knowing he has a better chance than last year, um, I think that's going to help. The the experience he got last year, and now I mean Hornybrook being gone, it's really making me wonder: was there a chance he could have been back last year, and the Badgers just kind of sat him? I'm kind of wondering that now. We can only speculate what's in the mind right. of Barry Alvarez and all those in company at Wisconsin. We'll take our last time out. When we come back, people are wondering: does Duke deserve? a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But nobody is talking about this team that's been dealing with injuries. We're going to reveal in the next segment a team that's dealt with injury a lot more than Duke has, but no one's talking about them for a number one seed. But they should be. Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you just about down to the 5 o'clock hour. Don't forget we'll have Westwood Patriot girls basketball this evening. Regional semifinal action at Escanaba. The Patriots at 22-1 take on the 19-2 West Iron County Wycons. 6.45 pregame, 7 o'clock tip here on ESPN-UP. Hope to have you with us. Well, the question right now is, will Duke get a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? March Madness right around the corner. We're less than a week away from knowing what the bracket looks like, filling out our brackets. Does Duke deserve a number one seed? Because there's a lot of people who believe they're the best team in the country, but they've gone on a losing skid without Zion Williamson. I don't feel sorry for him is the thing. I mean, you lose one player, albeit one of the best that college basketball has seen in a long time, maybe ever, but you've still got two future top five picks on your team and you still can't win in the ACC. I don't feel sorry for him if that's going to happen. So they have to make a run, one would think, in the ACC tournament this week down in Charlotte. And people are looking at Zion's injury as a reason to give Duke a one seed, maybe a two or something like that. This is why they want to keep Duke high in the pairwise comparisons but why don't people give the same concession to sparty michigan state has dealt with injury a lot more than duke has this year sparty lost nick ward it looks like they're going to get him back for the big 10 and then they still won the big 10 they're going to be the number one seed in the tournament coming up this week sparty's dealt with injury a lot more than duke has they're ranked in the top 10 and still nobody wants to give them credit or even put them in the conversation for being a one seed. Yeah, and and I mean, who are the for sure one seeds? What Gonzaga and Virginia? Are they your They'll for be sure up there one seed. I think Carolina will have a case for it when it's all said and done and I don't know who, if anybody from the SEC would even come close. They're not gonna get a one seed up there, but 
I think Tennessee was probably their last shot, and maybe if they make a run in the tournament and get some help. Yeah, Tennessee losing. I mean, I, what what's more surprising? Michigan being a three seed, dropping to a three seed in the Big Ten tournament after how they started the year, or Wisconsin being a four seed? Michigan. Michigan being more surprising. I, I can't and believe I, how they dropped. And on top of that, I think Purdue getting on the run that they did is even more shocking than that, both those stories. Yes, and because Purdue started out, I mean, they had high expectations and weren't really meeting them, and they've been playing great basketball of late. And then now teams like Ohio State um, and, and and then like Indiana has done nothing. They started off 4-12, and, and now they've, they've done nothing but win. Um, if they can win their first-round game – uh, and then and then move on. They'll have a chance to beat Michigan State for a third time. And if Michigan State loses to Indiana for a third time, oh, that's really got to hurt their seeding in the tournament. I tell you what, how can Indiana be four and twelve in conference play and still be a bubble team for the national tournament? That couldn't happen to anyone else. Yeah, I I, oh, I guess it's because they've beat some good teams. I guess gonna it's. Gotta be. I mean, they're what overall five above five hundred, something like that. Yeah, and the record's not great. No, and and any normal year, I would say they wouldn't make it. But for whatever reason, this year, teams are just beating up on each other. It's it's uh it's surprising. There's no thirty win teams yet. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you look at a team like Gonzaga, which is a good segue into our next point, because I wondered. Gonzaga is that team that perennially will be up there, number one, number two seed, but they will be a disappointment when March comes. Outside of their one trip to the title game a few years ago, they disappoint, they underwhelm, and they're terrible for your bracket. They are basically the group of five, whatever, the non-power five version of Virginia, another team that's always going to disappoint when it comes to March after a great regular season. So what I was thinking... Would it benefit Gonzaga to join the Pac-12 as a basketball member? They don't even have to go for other sports. Just join the Pac-12 as an affiliate. It would make sense geographically. I know the Pac-12's not great. There's not a lot of basketball talent there right now. But you would certainly upgrade your strength of schedule, playing teams like Oregon, Washington, UCLA, teams like that, would be much better than playing Pepperdine, Santa Clara, BYU, games like that. I mean, their toughest conference opponent is St. Mary's. I mean, they're fine. I mean, they usually make the tournament some years, but that's still not great if your best win in conference is against a school like St. Mary's. So I don't know how beneficial it would be for Gonzaga for their resume because they're still going to be a number one seed. Yeah. They're always going to be a one, two seed, maybe a three as long as they play with the schedule they do because they roll through it. But will they get tested is the thing. And they would get tested a little bit more in the Pac-12. Yeah. I don't know if that would make the difference or that's what they need. Because, But there is a direct correlation between the schedule they play and their fall-offs in March outside of one season a couple of years ago. Yes, and uh, I, I really think that being tested extra in the regular season would would have to come through for them in March. Um, it would have to give them, you know, those extra close games, those those tournament-like games. That really helps down the stretch. And and is that, is, is that what's been causing Gonzaga to choke in the tournament? 
Um, it's certainly not a lack of talent. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so, you know, as, as far as their own recognition, uh, you would think it would help uh, going to a better, a bigger, better conference, but they're already getting such recognition already. Surprisingly, um, it, I don't think it would really help their overall recognition. And like right. you said, it wouldn't help their seating. But I really think it would help as far as building a team's confidence and and building something with a little bit more of a backbone come big game time. I mean, the Pac-12, again, isn't great. It's not a basketball power. But would your strength of schedule go up? It would. And any chance to be a Power 5 team, wouldn't you take that? I mean, wouldn't you want that for your program? I wanted to ask the audience what our listeners thought. Would joining the Pac-12 benefit Gonzaga? This is from an unscientific Twitter poll that we ran yesterday. 34% of the audience... The most popular vote was very much. They think it would be very much beneficial for Gonzaga to join the Pac-12. The next most popular answer was 32%, somewhat, that it would somewhat benefit Gonzaga to join the Pac-12. So that tells you a lot right there, that 66% of our listeners think that it would have a positive impact of some sorts if Gonzaga joined the Pac-12. Not really got 24% of the vote, and not at all got 10%. So I think that's pretty interesting that two-thirds of the listening audience believes it would benefit Gonzaga in some way, shape, or form to join the Pac-12. Yes, and, and, it, and it really depends upon what you look at as far as how does it benefit, um, but it definitely would benefit them, I think, in more ways than one. Uh, you would have to assume that it would help them with recruits, but obviously they don't have problems with that. So, you know... Um, Gonzaga's it's it's just a weird it's just weird to me how how they get it seems like they get a pass on on their strength of schedule and it seems like they're always getting the benefit of the doubt they are the non-power five version of Virginia yep don't pick either of those two teams to be heading to the final four this year yeah we're not gonna do that no don't make that mistake right Charlie Bramer in the studio with us before we sign off Murray State the Racers, they're a team that not a lot of people are talking about, but they probably should be. They're a team that's another mid-major, but if anyone has the chance to be a Cinderella this year, it might be them. They're, what, 27-4? and four? They, I wonder how high of a seed they could get. I mean, their strength of schedule is going to hurt them, but I wonder if they could be a 7 seed, and they've got one of the top players in the country in John Morant, and... Apparently, he's getting a lot of interest from the Phoenix Suns. They sent the whole team, basically, out to watch him on uh, Saturday night, the whole front office team. But this Murray State team, I don't know if it's a product of their schedule or if they're for real. I do know Morant is really fun to watch. And Matt McMahon, fourth-year head coach there, has done a fantastic job. And some Power 5 school is going to be coming after him when they're trying to fill their head coaching vacancy. He won't be at Murray State much longer. Um, you'd have to assume not. And the only thing I have to say about that is if a team is a seventh seed, once you're as high, once you're in the single digits, really, especially above an eighth seed, if, if you're advancing to the Elite Eight in the Final Four, are you really that much of a Cinderella? Because obviously you're pretty darn good to begin with. They're pretty good. I mean, they're a good team, but I don't know if that's a product of their schedule 
they are that good of a team. Yep. I wonder why Gonzaga is being talked about as a one seed based on the schedule they play, and Murray State's probably not going to get anywhere close to that. Yeah, it's, I, I have no idea, right? And, and it's that's what I mean by Gonzaga always getting the benefit of the doubt. I'm excited for March Madness to get here, and, and I love Conference Championship Week. This is going to be one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, Notre Dame starts conference play tomorrow, and they'll probably get bounced in the first round because they're struggling really badly this year. But there'll be some good basketball on throughout the week. Just kind of throwing this out there, Tanner, I was devastated. The Bucks lost back-to-back games, and they lost to the same team twice for the first time this year. And of all the teams to lose to twice, they lost to the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns is the only team to beat the Bucks twice. And go figure, right? And I felt really bad about that. But then I looked, and I believe the Bucks have won 21 of their last 25 games, even after losing two in a row. So I felt a little better about it. Well, the Bucks are still in good position. The Pistons are trending upward. They look like a lock for the sixth seed. And Boston yeah. might be figuring things out. By the way, here's a we'll double dip on stat of the day. When Boston beat the Lakers Saturday night on their West Coast road trip, nice. this was just the first time since the 1960s that Boston has won three in a row in the state of California. Wow. That's Larry a great Bird never day. did it. You have to go back to the Bill Russell days. Wow. Larry Bird never did that. That's surprising. That's surprising. And the Lakers just keep on doing what we they are what we thought they were and uh even worse than we thought they were. Right. Oh yeah. I guess dropping you can, like you can, flies too. Yeah. Ingram's done for the year, Alonzo oh. Ball's done for the year. And and wow. Just just wow. And I think the Lakers should trade be looking to move LeBron this year and really do a rebuild uh, that doesn't include Magic Johnson. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. That's it for us in the sports pen. Appreciate you as always, my dude. We'll talk at you again next week. Thank you very much, Tanner. I appreciate it. And uh, another day closer to opening day. It's coming. It's coming. Week and a half away. That's it for us, though, on the Sports Pen. Thanks again for tuning in. Patriot Basketball tonight at 7 on ESPN-UP.